This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 709, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Hello, welcome to Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 709. I am Connor Kilpatrick. This is Josh Lanigan. Sup? And we are iFanboy, and every week we read a bunch of comics, one of us has to pick their favorite one and has to call the pick of the week. They have to. We talk about that in the show, along with the other comics we read, the patron pick, the listener mail, whatever. Whatever we can do to entertain you and ourselves is what we do on the show. That's what that's mostly, the mandate. Mostly the latter. Right. It's our platform. And that'll be fun for you, for us, for me, for Josh. And here's your spoiler warning. It's a review show. There'll be some spoilers. Exercise your caution brain. Josh, you had the pick. I did have the pick. And I'm going to tell you it was not an easy one. Uh, I, I, I don't want to say agonized because that's – I mean that's because it's completely false. But what I did have to do was like write all of my books down. In a list, and sort of look at them, and then go to Connor and go, "Is there anything else I should read?" <laughs> and he was like, "No." And I was like, "All right." So if I had to do that, then I'm gonna pick uh, 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 the the Dollhouse Family, number one. number one, or is it just Dollhouse Family? It's the Dollhouse Family. The Dollhouse Family, um, from Vertigo Comics, and <laughs> uh, yeah, Joe Hill is apparently running this line of Vertigo Comics. Uh, I hope that you guys are ready for a running gag because that's a thing that's going to be happening. Uh, this is by Mike Carey uh, and Peter Gross. I guess Mike Carey goes by Mr. Carey now that he found a career in writing novels as opposed to just comics. But well, there's always Mike. He, he wrote novels before. I read his novel. I read two of his novels. They're good. Right. But that was after the comic stuff, I think. It was like during broke. Lucifer, but I mean, and also during um, the unwritten. Doesn't, it doesn't really matter. He can call himself whatever the fuck he wants to call himself. But. Yeah, the unwritten was much later, but Lucifer was, you know, he actually, he was on X-Men for a little while. Yes. Remember that. Um, and this is the team well, that did Lucifer. Hold on, you got to mention it's, Peter Gross does the layouts. It's really, I mean, Vince Locke, it's, it, it doesn't look a little. Vince Locke like does the finishes. Yeah. Right, but uh, that was the same thing with Lucifer, is that, um, is that uh, Peter Gross had done the layouts and then Ryan Kelly did the finishes. Mm. So now you have Vince Locke, whose, whose name I recognize from uh, the, the, the Paul Newman, Tom Hanks movie. The, didn't he do? Didn't he do the oh, comic? Oh, The Road to Perdition? Didn't he do that? Or he did the the Viggo Mortensen uh, one. With, wow, you, uh, you pulled that out. I know. A history of Violence? Yeah, he did one it, of those. It looks more like a History of Violence, but I don't know. Thing. That was so he long was ago. A, I, I really angry at he you was, bringing he it up. Was an, he was an old school Vertigo artist. I, I think that he, I think he was like a, a 2000 AD guy. Right. So very different artist than than um, Ryan Kelly, for example. Right. Um, but it, you know, in terms of the because of the layouts, in terms of the storytelling and the figures and everything, it is very reminiscent of uh, of um, Lucifer, sort of from a tone, tonal point of view. So I got this, and uh, you know, we've talked about this a lot of times. I don't really like horror. 
Um, but but storytelling can transcend genre. I think it's one of the you know it's one of the things that's really great about storytelling is that you can say I don't like football shows and then be like, well, I really do like Friday Night Lights because it it finds a way to speak to you unless you're a lout and just decide to cut all that stuff right off. Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of people. Were, I was one of them surprised by the pick. In fact, when you when you chose it, I didn't even know what it was. I I uh, uh-huh. we we talked about the. Um, the Jaws book that Joe Hill's writing for Hill House Comics that was the patron pick a couple weeks ago. But, uh, you know, because I don't, I'm not a horror guy, I've totally put my blinders on to this, to this imprint. Um, I, new new two Vertigo. Things, two things happen. I did see Mike Carey and Peter Gross, and I thought, well, I need to check that out because Lucifer was one of my favorite ongoing series at the time, for sure. Um, and, and then also, you know, that, that last comic, whose name I don't remember, uh, from Joe Hill. <laughs> I don't uh, his new, you know, his new Vertigo comic. Yeah, um, that was really good. Oh. And I thought, well, you know, let's 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 check more. And also, it was kind of a light week, so I thought, you know, it, it's by a team of creators who I really like. Um, and I, the, for whatever reason, I think that there is to me there's something there's American horror and British horror. Basket full of heads. Basket full of heads. I did that was in the script when I was doing this, and I and I was like, oh yeah, that's so weird. I did not remember that at all until you said it, though. Like it yeah. did that. That title made no impact on me. Yeah. Um, but there is just something about the way that that Mike Carey does the things that he does that I, I just it, I find it compelling. And so it's a it's a little. It is a family drama, basically. There's a, a, a husband who's lost his job, and uh, you know he's married, and they have a, a younger daughter, and his daughter inherits this uh, creepy 1820. It takes place in 1979, but the 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 dollhouse that she gets is sort of uh, left to her from her aunt or something that she never met. It's from the 1800s, um, and she wants to play with it. And as you go through this first issue, like the marriage gets worse and worse and and there's you know violence and and it, it's all pretty bad and then the, you know eventually she gets she goes into the dollhouse and this this happy little family from 100 years ago and you know it's the idea of this sort of victorian british uh you know um like perfection yeah. yeah this aristocratic sort of ideal and you know the house is finally it pulls her in is like you want you want me to do something about your dad she's like no and then she's like yeah you know what maybe and then she, you know, the last page is sort of she walks up behind him with a hammer. Um, actually, the last panel is red with goo, and it says "sclutch," which is one. It's a good sound effect. Um, so I really, I, I found it compelling. I liked the setup. I liked the aesthetic of the whole thing. Well, there's um, also a, there's a parallel story because I read this after you picked it. Um, right. There's a parallel story in the 1820s about two. Oh, um, right. Two. <laughs> two Victorian fops, but they're you know they're uh, right. they're surveying um, the land in in Ireland, and right. one, they stumble upon a cave that wasn't on their their surveying report, so they investigate it. And one of them goes in, and he says, "I'm just going to take a hundred steps into the cave, and then I'll come back out if it's any deeper, and then somebody we can send a team in there." And he and he just never comes out. He keeps going right. and keeps keeps going until he's way underground, and he finds this giant rock creature sleeping, yep. um, which is maybe related to what happened on the very first page. And then he has sex with the demon, and um, which will happen. I mean, and then, <laughs> then that's when the sclutch he's stuck happens. in a hole in the cave, in the ground. I mean, got to do something to pass the time. So I mean, yeah, this was. I mean, you're, I think you're right. This isn't like monsters jumping out of 
closets or yeah, you know, torture porn or, or all the stuff that horror is at now. It's um, it's more psychological. If you, I mean, you even take out the, the the elements, there's a real story here with the family. Um, yeah, absolutely. And Mike Carey, you know, like his 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 bailiwick, his thing. It seems to be uh, younger. Like, like he, he does stories about sort of adolescent girls or just before that. Like he's done a bunch of stories. Lucifer, the, you know, Elaine was the sort of the main thrust of that instead of Lucifer. It was sort of her ascendance and growing up and coming of age. And for some reason, that's that's the thing that, that he keeps going back to. Um, so that's his over, I suppose. And, and, it, and it builds, you know, it, it starts yes. off. You know, yes, it does. When she goes into the house, the daughter, you know, she gets sucked into the house, becomes a tiny house person. It, it's it's sort of like even you know it's gonna get creepy so there's a there's a twinge of creepiness but it's not that bad and then but then it, it yeah. you know they reveal they're not actually a family they're just a bunch of random people in the house and that's so that becomes a creepy reveal and then the reveal of hey do you want us to, there's a secret room in here where we take bad people do you want us to put your dad in there mm-hmm. and that's you know so it gets creepier and creepier as it goes which is I mean he it, yeah. is a really good writer so I was not and surprised. it builds it builds momentum and it's suspenseful. Mm-hmm. Like it, it re, like it. You're right. It gets it, you're. It gets creepier and creepier as you go along, you know. And at first, you know, it's this is kind of weird. This is you know, and it, you know, it is the classic like I don't know horror movie. But you know, she gets the the freaky house, and 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 they're like, "Can I keep it? Look how detailed it is." I was like, "None of this is good news." <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I guess since this takes place in 1979, these people have an excuse for not knowing better. <laughs> right. I I liked it. I did. I mean, I didn't love it, but I liked it yeah. a lot, and I liked it enough to to read more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it it was it wasn't a it wasn't like a week of a, of a bunch of standouts, and I don't mean to undercut it, but uh, sort of out of everything, like what was interesting, what felt new, what felt fresh, what was sort of not the same old thing that was really well done. That was this book, and that's how uh, the Dollhouse Family becomes Pick of the Week. Plus, it's Vertigo. Yeah, oh yeah, no, it's nice. Vertigo's been doing some good stuff lately. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> so this week we had the conclusion to Event Leviathan. Event Leviathan mm-hmm. number six, Brian Bendis, my, um, Alex Maliev, Josh Reed. Um, and I, I, I liked it. I imagine some people won't like it because it's not like an earth-shattering reveal who is Leviathan, but it works. it makes sense in the context of Bendis. What he's been doing is pulling out, like, hidden and forgotten characters from DC's past and, and re- mm-hmm. utilizing them again. And, uh, you know, it's also, I mean, I liked it. The only, the only negative I could think of is not really a negative, but it's basically setting up another storyline. So it's not really a complete mystery. Yeah. But um, that's just how comics work. So I guess I shouldn't be that surprised. Uh, but I like kind of I kind of always hope that isn't that isn't the case, though. Yeah. Like I, 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 you know, I, I was looking for I was looking for some sort of an ending, not so much a reveal. And I, th- I think in comics when you have a who done it, and then you get to the point to the dude who done it, if you don't know who they are, mm-hmm. and they weren't even like he wasn't even in this story earlier, right? So it's not even a character who we would have had a clue to. Like then, it's not really you're not really following a trail of breadcrumbs. Sure, you're opening true. you're opening let's say a closet, <laughs> and in that closet. Um, at, drawn by Alex Maleev is a character that you don't know, right. and so I assume that this will just never be picked up again, and he'll refuse to answer questions about it. Well, uh, to be to, to be clear, I did, I don't Mark Shaw is a name I vaguely have heard, but I don't know this character at all. I, I, right. mean, I, I and I looked him up afterwards, and he's an old Mindhunter character. He was he wore the red suit, 
and the mm-hmm. blue face. Um, uh, and he's been used here and there, and he was even used in the New 52, but he's an old forgotten character from, you know, probably the 70s. I don't even remember what year it was. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, you know, it is what... I, I, your, your points are valid, and I can't refute them. But um, sometimes the reveal isn't about the reveal to the audience. It's about the reveal to the characters. And I, and I think that that is, is valid. However, like in, in sense of if you're going to call a thing one through six, mm-hmm. I know I, I, the, yeah. the ending should feel, I think, to me, more satisfying than it did. I, I Yeah, I agree. And I was a little surprised to see so quickly the, you know, continued in Levent, Levent Leviathan, yeah. whatever subtitle. I don't remember what it was. Uh, yeah. Dawn, and, and Leviathan Dawn. Leviathan Dawn. I think I actually would have been completely – I mean, far be it for me to tell Bendis how to construct a story. He's better at it than pretty much anybody. But I think if they had seeded this Shaw guy somewhere earlier, yeah. it would have had a lot more impact. You could at least go back and go, oh, my God, it was him. He was standing right there the whole time. Something like that. So like the two reveals being that it was the lady Manhunter, whose name I don't remember. Kate Spencer. Which came up really fast, so you had this big fight with her. But I don't know who she is either. Well, she's been really, I mean, yeah. I mean, I I, I don't. She's, and then she's and been then, around for a while, but it's just that she would. And then the last thing I didn't like, yeah, Jim Harper, is that uh, the guard. Yes, I was like, come on, not him. <laughs> I like that character of Jim Harper. I like when he shows up, and uh, you know, uh, I mean, th- th- I'm not I'm not mad about it, but like I, I just found it. Just, I was like, no, not him. I, I knew that would get you. You've always left Jim Harper for some bizarre reason, and I love yeah. it that you do. Um, yeah. Putting that aside, you know this this continued the stuff that I've been enjoying. I thought the art was terrific. Uh, yeah. The character interactions are great. You know, you continue to have a great Green Arrow in, the, in here and in the background of things. And I really like the sequence where they realize they're all they're all being listened to, so they all speak in sign language. Which I guess is that what was happening? I couldn't. Yeah. Fo- I didn't follow that, and I knew you would know. Yeah. It says, detectives, if you know sign language, follow along. And uh, I must have missed that line, so, yeah. Um, and I guess they all teach sign language at, at the Hall of Justice to the team. But um, That's nice. Well, well, somebody could pour it into their heads. I thought that was a nice, uh, you know, trick. Is we're being, we, we, We've been bugged, so we have to communicate okay. silently. Like, you know, it's more that fun makes than, way more than sense. just write, writing it all down. Yep. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I enjoyed this miniseries quite a bit. I think that I have an expectation of, of comic book miniseries or... or quote-unquote significant storylines are most of the time in comics not the sort of satisfying ending that I that I want. And, like, I, I expect that as the norm. Because there's no end. Quite honestly. Nah, because, I mean, yes, because that's the deal. So when there is one, it's so... I mean, that's why all my favorite stories are Vertigo stories that, mm-hmm. you know, end at a certain point, and that's it. Because um, you don't ever get that with these. Unless it's fables. Well, I, t- I left before we got there. Yeah, I th- no, well, there was an end. Yeah, and I stopped at that point just for the most going. part. I think I, w- I went a little further, and I was like, nah, I'm out. Well, um, Superman 17, Bendis, and Kevin McGuire, um, and you and I are going to d- differ on him in a second, but um, I really, and I, you know, we've been in this comics game for a while. We've been doing this for a while. We've been in the in the, in the, in the website media game for all, nearly 20 years. Next year will be our 20th anniversary. No, no, that should be our 19th anniversary. We've been doing this podcast for 14 years. And uh, so I understand how it works. 
it was just a bummer that I read in the New York Times about what's coming like a month ago or however right, it was right, ago. Right, right, yeah. So, although, so I knew, so this whole, this whole issue felt like, all right, well, you have, you have him, Superman agonizing over this decision. First of all, seemingly out of no, nowhere. Um, and I wish I, I didn't agree. know what, what was happening because it's just like, well, you, you, you publicized it to the world. So why, you know, this just feels like we're on a, tr- we're running in circles until you get to the next issue. It does feel like that. You're, you know, you're absolutely. And I didn't even think of that, think of it that way. But once I figured out what it was sort of leading up to, I didn't read the article either, by the way. I think I think you did. And I was like, just tell me because, you know, um, I was just complaining to you that I had to get the whole thing yeah. ruined by The New York Times. God damn it. Well, because at that point, I thought, well, if, if you did, then I'm going to get it ruined by me <laughs> or by, by something. So I may as well just know so I could at least look at how they're doing it because see if that part's interesting because mm-hmm. but with that in mind, this. It, you're right. It was pointless. Like you've already showed me where we're going to arrive to. So the the torture of how to get there is not interesting. Also, I mean, I I could it could be different. It could change my mind. I think this is a terrible idea. Oh, I, I and also and I think also we're speaking around it because uh-huh. uh, I don't want to ruin it for if anyone is completely oblivious to it. And sure. I'm sure most people know it because I'm sure it was pu- pu- covered widely in the comics press. But I don't want to ruin it because uh, I agree. I, it's, it's not a spoiler. This is a pre-spoiler. I don't want to spoil things that haven't happened yet. I don't agree with it one hundred percent, and even though it's already happened, and we'll talk about that when it actually does happen. But um, anyway, the, the my main concern is he's. I don't know what the inciting incident is. I don't know why he's suddenly agonizing over this. I don't know what what has got him to think about that. Is something happening with the whole villain? You're the villain thing. That's, that's what it feels like. It's something off camera from here. Not that I'm aware of. I don't know. The starts with. Uh, after his space thing, like with with uh, Lois, and she got the box delivered from Lex Luthor, oh. and he's been going around powering everybody else up, and 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 I did think at the beginning this is really difficult to talk about without. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, what I was thinking about when I, I Lex Luthor goes there, and I'm taking it all for granted, and I was like, well, how the fuck does Lex Luthor know to talk to Lois Lane about Superman? Well, just because I don't think he means to talk to her about. One of two things. Either it's just because, you know, obviously everyone knows Lois is no Superman, and also mm-hmm. they had that picture of them smooching. Uh-huh. Um, or yeah. or he now knows everything because of the Villains United, uh, Villains mm-hmm. Unleashed, or whatever the fuck it's called. And I don't know. I've been so annoyed with that that I've been barely, barely hanging on to it. So uh-huh. either way, she's not necessarily a random choice. No, but like then there's a whole conversation about how you know what he's doing. He's trying to get to you. He's trying to do this. So that, that really. If there, there, you know that 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 leads you one to believe that that Lex is in on the whole thing, which seems like that's from out of nowhere too. I just don't think it's a good idea. Can we can we talk about things that are good about this? Well, this is I think where we're going to differ, but yes. I I you're not happy about Kevin McGuire. Oh, he's my all-time favorite comic book artist. Right, I know I, that. I hate how they color him. But um, this is Paul Mounts, though. This isn't I know, that person. I know. Yeah, but the problem is, it's a, it's now the way they do him. They, they, oh, I see. They, a lot of the detail gets put in by the colorist. You know, the the muscles in the neck and the facial facial uh-huh. stuff, and it just. And I don't. Maybe maybe he directs it. Maybe he does it. I don't know. But I'm 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 gonna make an educated guess that this is what he wants. I'm sure it does. I'm sh- you know, period. That all that being said, though, there are still some really nice cartooning examples. Oh, in this. he's he's the best. There's I don't like the cover at all. 
The cover is terrible. But um, there's a reason why he's so revered, especially amongst the creators. Yeah, he he, and he's a perfect guy for Bendis because he does faces faces like no one else, and so other than Terry Moore, and uh, he's so good at you know acting, character acting. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, you're right, though. I just I just Lots feel like the tests. coloring takes away some of the power because he was always so good. What I marveled at as a kid reading Justice League, even without really knowing what I was, you know, looking at, was that he expressed so much emotion with a, with so few lines. And now it's just like there's so much extra detail in in the in his in his faces that it's almost like a it's almost like a distraction. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can see. I I went with it. I decided to sort of walk, look at no, the no, things I'm, that I like about it. But I see what you're saying. I was I was trying I was tr- trying to look. You know, I, I was like I'm going to find a way to enjoy this because it's here. So there's there's definitely good things about. It. I I liked um. I like the scene with Zod, all of it. Yeah, I'm looking the, the at that bit. page now. I'm looking at page 18. And, like, if you look see that four-panel grid of Zod, where yeah. he's, he's considering uh, hitting Supergirl. Uh, yeah. If you, took that, if you isolated that four pages and sent it to me, I wouldn't be able to tell you that's Kevin McGuire. That's true. Like, it's just because all the coloring, adding all the, the wrinkles to his faces, and it just it doesn't look like him. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that aside, I thought this was... This scene was great. I thought the stuff with Superman, Super Girl, Girl were great. Um, they have a great relationship. Uh, I, I mean, the issue. I was torn on the issue because a the whole underlying thing. I don't. I'm not into, and b that I just was bummed about what they did to McGuire. But, um, like, look at the last page where where Supergirl is is uh, where she's talking about how I have a decision to make. It's going to affect you. Like, it just she's got like weird shadows under her eyes and she looks tired and mm-hmm. it's just it's just a weird choice it's just a weird color it's interesting because paul mounts is not a, is a great no, colorist i wonder if there's guidelines that come in from in the pencils that's what i that's what i'm wondering but it just was weird it's just weird well i'm sorry this didn't work for you but in case anybody so there we go everyone that was the end of our superman love train <laughs> uh between event leviathan and me and superman with connor um, and then what's ha- what's coming up? It's it's uh, it's gonna hit the rocky shoal. Yeah, that's but that's comics. Yeah, nothing good can stay golden. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy eleven. I'm very curious as to why you want to talk about this. Donna Cates, Corey Smith. Well, I think the thing that the the, the Rocket Raccoon story part of it is, I think, really well done. It's mm-hmm. that you know. That simulated like sorrow and emotion, like because a they're not going to keep Rocket Raccoon dead, um, but I, you know they put him in a big transformer. Uh, there's a bunch of fighting going on. This is the second to last issue. You know, I, I I think it is a lot of what we liked about Donny Cates for a while. Like it's been building to this whole thing. There's a bunch of different heroes there, and they're all the cosmic heroes. Um, you know, everybody's been mind controlled. You know, but but the bit where where sort of Rocket, you know, like oh he's gonna die and he takes off with his gun, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it was really well done and also really well sort of classic comic book um, dramatic visual storytelling. All the little baby Groots, you know, help him pick up his gun and I don't know, it's, it was it was very sweet and I was like I don't I don't want this to happen, but I bought into it. Like I bought into the emotion of the thing, right? You know. Beta Ray Bill's the one who sort of smashes his suit, and you know Peter Quill's kind of the only one who still has his mind. Peter and Rocket, so yeah, uh, um, you know you're not into it. 
I like the first arc a lot more. Uh-huh. Uh, I just don't. I'm not really into this um, cult, this death cult or whatever they are. My only problem with it is that it overlaps too much with what's going on in Old Man Quill, so it's tough to keep them straight. Yeah. Because um, I know that that's a, that's a, that one ended up being a cult of Galactus, I think. And then this one, that's Peter Quill's dad, who is not Kurt Russell in this at the beginning. Um, I just, I, 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 I didn't dislike it. It's fine. I just, I like the yeah. first arc way more. Um, and you know, we can continue to hate Groot, teenage Groot. <laughs> and the kid is, see, that's the part that I can't even. The kid is, um, uh, uh, Adam Warlock, like a like a new Adam Warlock. They're growing. Is that it? I think so. I think so. <laughs> I, t- I really like his Transformer mech because it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I, I, I did think Corey Smith drew the heck out of this. I think it was. Well, those are the, the, the rocket stuff's good. And when, when Beta Ray Bill's hammer went through the mech, was, it was like, oh, shit. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it was not enjoyable. It was just for me, it was like one of those, yeah. like, another, like, this is fine. Mm hmm. Um, it does have the oh wow he put a full on mustache on lockjaw by the way yeah <laughs> that's nice work um someone asked me rec- uh, the other day why lockjaw has a, the thing on his forehead the uh, the you know the well he's got a he's got a side gig where he tunes pianos right the tuner the tuning fork I don't know why I just assume that's like a inhumans thing. Yeah, that's part of his his. I don't know. Like it's the same symbol that Lo, uh, that Black Bolt has. Otherwise, you'd confuse him with other giant teleporting dogs if you didn't if you didn't have that on his head. Why does he have it there? Because Jack motherfucking Kirby. That's why. <laughs> so this is the second last issue of Guardians of the Galaxy before that book is canceled and restarted. Uh, yeah, Invaders, Invaders Eleven is also the second last issue of the series. Yes. So a couple of our series that we've been enjoying. Um, and when we say something is the second, we did our research on it. We, ch- <laughs> we made sure. Invaders yeah. 11, Chip Zdarsky, Carlos Magno, and Butch, Butch Guise, or Geis. We never know how that goes. It's Geis. Geis. Um, I, I, there were great scenes in this issue, mostly having to do with Butch Geis. But, um, you know, Namor and Steve Rogers getting washed up on a deserted tropical island, neither one of them having their powers, is a fun conceit. It is. I'm still limping to the end of this one now. <laughs> and also, like I've, I've lost a lot of momentum since the beginning. Uh, you know, it's it is what it is. I, I I just continue. Whenever they have flashbacks, I love you know the flashbacks to the original team. Yes, there's a great moment where we flash back to the moment Cap, you know, and Namor are talking, and they you know he's trying to get Namor's memories back. And this is like soon after Cap's been unfrozen, like months after he's been unfrozen, mm-hmm. and. Name he he jogs Namor's memory. Namor remembers everything, and he remembers Bucky, and they have a hug. And I was like, oh, "God damn it, <laughs> you got me again." Um, I just love those moments, and you know, and then bearded Cap because they've been on the island for a while. We, a while, apparently. Well, you know, Cap could be one of those people that grows a beard in five minutes, but uh, we should do a whole thing like a a beard month where all the heroes have beards. I agree. I hate I I, I hate how. Uh, the current Namor. I was okay with it oh, for yeah, a little no, while. It's, it's terrible. But I, I don't like the art either at this point. So the design along with the art. And then I was doing okay. And then I get to the end and I and I was like, oh right, the human torch now has this stupid robot body. Look yeah. at the look at the look at the cover. Oh, no, that's 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 Toro. 
Is it? Yeah. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Toro's the normal one. No. You're right. Human Torch is, is Iron Torch, no, whatever he is now. Yeah, Yeah, because right, he's, right he's got some extra Tony Stark spare parts. Oh, no, it's fucking terrible. Um, no, also, no, no, but even worse, though, look at the, on the last page, look at, like, the next cover. L- look how, it's not a good drawing on the, on the uh, Human Torch on the right. Well, that is. <laughs> that's terrible. That's Butch, Butch, Butch guy I saying, I'm being forced to do this dumb shit, and <laughs> I don't really care. Um, first of all. If they're on the island long enough for Steve to grow a full-on bushy yellow beard, where's Namor's beard? He already started off with facial hair, and we all and we know we know that he's capable of growing one in Fantastic Four. Whenever he was found, he had the giant beard they had, they had to Fish, burn off. Fishmen grow at a different rate. <laughs> he's a fisherman. It's a different. It's a different thing. He should be growing a faster beard. You, you think that having a super soldier serum that makes you better at everything doesn't make your beard thicker, fuller, and more wonderful and faster? Listen, because it does. What does the editor do with his day? His day. This is what I'm saying. Like, put a giant beard on Namor as well. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna tell you this. If you were to go to Tom Brieford's desk, <laughs> you'd be like, explain this. I'm sure he, he would, and he could, and he would do it quickly without stuttering. It, the problem with Namor's look is they keep flashing back to awesome Namor. Mm-hmm. If you didn't keep doing that, then I would kind of forget about it, like gr- begrudgingly. But you keep flashing mm-hmm. back in the very issue to awesome flat top asshole, you know, green underwear Namor, and, and that's and. the best Namor. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you're just you're just da- daring us to keep looking at this new one with the long hair, sort of uh, sexy Namor with the armor, and you and it's stupid. Grr. It looks terrible. It looks I really agree. terrible. Uh, but which one's worse, though? Is it the if you could change only one, Namor or Human Torch? Which would you change? I would, oh God! I mean, uh, on an overall, uh, like, like at a gut level, I, I that Human Torch thing needs to be fixed. And I just assume that they will fix it, but I don't know why they didn't just do it before then. Because it's uh, the idea is it'll be cool to give him an Iron Man body, but the execution is not cool. So now we're stuck in not cool. It's also not but, cool to give him an Iron Man body. I would disagree with the premise. It's just like it's I, stupid. I'm, I agree with you, but I could see that people would think it is cool because that's just how people think or they think we'll think it's cool. Everyone loves Robert Downey Jr. Let's make them all Iron Men. See, I am already – I don't want to see the Human Torch that much. That's important to know. That's true. I I want to show up every once in a while. I want Namor all over the place, (laughs) and I don't want him all over the place like this. So I'm going to go with Namor. His suit's not very aerodynamic for swimming either. It's got all kinds of big bulky bits and – yeah, looks heavy. The thing, the thing before was he was he was life like a like a baby seal. He could go cut through the water because yeah. he was only wearing the little panties. Yeah, and now he's got like a giant armor. Like that can't that's got to weigh him down. At least he's got that dumb thing off his head the, from the other the chapters. Of snakes that I yeah. still don't fully understand, and I don't want to give it enough time to understand. We're making a lot of fun mostly how they look, but I've been and I, I know you're stumbling, but I've been enjoying this series all the way through. Yeah, uh, for for all the stumbles it's made and the dumb thing choices. Um, I think this is going to be a very successful Invader series, and they happen every few years, and then you and I get excited, no one else does, and then they don't last very long. Uh, I I think you and I just did like opposite reviews on this and Guardians of the Galaxy. That's fine. Basically exactly the same take for both of us, Uh, which is not a pan, so it's fine. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Hey, you want to help the show? We're nearing the end of the year. We're we're starting a new year, our, our 16th, 15th, 15th? 15th year podcasting? Yeah. Jesus Christ. 
Actually, 15th, that would have just happened. Our 15th year of podcasting, uh, and we only hear because of those who help the show, support the show. We do thank and everyone. And cereal. And so, <laughs> you know, this is how pod- – we talked about this before. This is how podcasts survive, in these, unless you're a big media podcast. This is how podcasts survive through the through the generosity of the listeners. There was just an article in the New York Times about that. Um this is how this is the economy of podcasting. So we thank everyone who's a patron over patreon.com slash ifanboy. Um, we have fun with those those people. We have our monthly hangouts. They get to vote in the patron pick, they get their patron powers. And uh, if you want to become one of those people, help us get our next stretch goal, which is to uh, add a monthly non comics media podcast to the uh, to the to our canon of shows and also to upload of all of our missing video shows to our YouTube channel, you can go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's uh, where you can help us out. We do appreciate everyone who does that. Also, holiday time, t-shirts. We got a t-shirt store, ifanboy.threadless.com. We got our seven shirts. We've got our we've got a ifanboy logo shirt, Pickle podcast, ratings, if one is electro, GDAT, I think they said something matters, and a shirt that says Herm on it. I don't know what that means, but there's a very popular TV show on, on HBO right now, which is completely unrelated to that shirt, but maybe if someone you know is enjoying that show, you know, we got a shirt for you, ifanboy.threadless.com. Ifanboy.com slash support. That's where you can help us out via PayPal directly if you just have a couple extra bucks and you want to throw it to your favorite or second or fourth favorite podcast way. You can help us out that way. We do appreciate that. People do that all the time. We thank them who do. Fanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find links to buy books that we talk about on our Booksplode show as well as a general link. And again, it's holiday time. So we thank everyone who uses any of those methods and helps support the show. And we do appreciate that as we prepare to enter our 15th year of doing it, which is crazy. Which is crazy. Crazy. Let's talk about Family Tree number one, new image book from Jeff Lemire and Phil Hester. Phil Hester, who is someone I was a big fan. I'm a big fan of Phil Hester, but he was a big deal 10, 12, 13, 15. Well, he was doing more mainstream superhero yeah. art. And, and he's, he's an artist and a writer. He was, um, was he Kevin Smith's Green Arrow artist? Yes, he was. That's, so that was a long time ago. If uh, about a year ago I I put out a podcast with him, that's right. Um, and and he talked about that. That's right. So uh, if you're interested in more on that, that was a long time ago and it left my brain. Yeah, it's uh, it, the team. The superhero team is always uh, Phil Hester and Andy Parks, right? Um, who just do beautiful work together. Um, and I and I really it's insane to me that th- there wasn't more of that. And I don't I feel like people they, they don't think people like it, so they don't hire him for it, which is stupid. Um, but also he's a, he's a quality writer. And when he does his own indie stuff, uh, he's into like uh, creepy horror stuff, Yeah, uh, which is funny because he is like the world's nicest man. And the, and the thing about his art is uh, he's not, you know, he was he did a lot of DC stuff and he's just not DC style. Like I would love it if he did a DC book, but DC wants all their books to look, look, look like Jim Lee draw them. So he's not he doesn't draw them that way. Um, but let's put that aside. That's a whole other conversation. This is a new Jeff Lemire series, and I always check that out because he often does very interesting work in, in the indie side. That's where he thrives. And um, this felt a little bit like Sweet Tooth. Yes. Uh, yeah. Human deformity leading to like the end of the society, and that's kind of what the whole thing with Sweet Tooth was, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm sure it'll have a different sort of deal, and and this does this feels like a smaller story so far. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's it's actually not. Um, 
is a mom. She's a single mom with with a couple of kids. Uh, I want to say the daughter's an adolescent. The son's sort of a younger teenager. So it's it's this little crossover with the Dollhouse one first. I was like, wait, because the characters sort of look similar. Um, and yeah, some some creepy shits going on. The the daughter has a tree growing out of her back. Yeah. Then then you got that going over in uh, Farmhand too. So yeah, yeah, exactly. It just just felt very. Like, I'm not saying it was bad. I just it just felt very like. This seems like four other books, like happening all at once. It, it's it's interesting is that when we do this the way that we do and we are constantly trying new books and sampling, there are some like things that that zip through the zeitgeist, man. Yep. That just this there's a lot of body horror stuff going on right now. <laughs> I there's, feel like I have a tree growing out of my back. There's a lot of uh, um, impending world ending stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot. You know, there's, you know, that sort of crumbling. Then there's the, there's a lot of, um, sort of future or fantasy world building that is completely different from ours. There's a ton of that going on lately. Um, I don't know. Uh, Jeff Lemire known for setting his books in Canada this time takes a uh, break from that and sets his book in Maine. Pretty much Canada. (laughs) Just pretty much Canada. (laughs) That's that's not true, by the way. Maine is <laughs> Maine is not like anywhere else on Earth. Uh, it's pretty Stephen Kingy, um, but uh, yeah, no. And at the same time, so you got the you know the new Joe Hill book over at Vertigo. Yeah, um, that's in Maine too. So we've, right. there's just oh, there's a lot of lot of th- a lot of things. Maine's I was trying to figure. Out, Maine is. You didn't always, grow up in Maine. Maine is always in the zeitgeist. You didn't grow up in Maine, but man, it is the spot for horror stories. And I don't know if that's just because Stephen King was there. Yeah. It's just weird. It's like old, like, you know, it's got that old New England connection. Yeah. It's a mostly which forest. Has, which has and, like a weird sort of pseudo, like, witchy and like druids yep. kind of thing f- feeling. I, uh, you know. I, but like, it's so much like the witch stuff was, you know, out of, uh, you know, Massachusetts. Really, although Maine was part of Massachusetts until the mid 1800s, right? So, so it was in Lowell, Maine, which I wasn't sure was a real place because I know there's a Lowell, Massachusetts. Oh, it's up there. It's there's it's nothing. Canada. It's Canada. No, it's it's the it's like north of Washington County, uh, which is like one of the poorest counties in the country. But it's the part of the there's no one there. Like other, it's the middle tree people. Yeah, it's in the lake area, but. There's okay. nothing there. It's those people. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> it was. I, I liked it. It was fine. I did too. And I, I honestly, I, I show up for Phil Hester's work, whatever it is. It didn't. It didn't blow my socks off, but it, I just, it, it, I, it earned more issues. I like that. I like the way that he, he draws it. There's this is a loose, a lot looser than the stuff he did for like Green Arrow. But there's something really evocative, and he does creepy and cartooning at the same time really well. Um, I, w- I want more artists like that. That's what, that's all I want. Punisher Soviet number one, Garth Ennis, Jason Burroughs. Jason Burroughs, who we last saw on Moon Knight. Um, yes, I was a little disappointed that this wasn't another one of Garth Ennis's examinations of. Real world war war events through the eyes of Punisher or or and or Nick Fury, um, which I guess is well, ha- happening with Gordon Parloff as soon as he recovers. But uh, well, what's interesting is that like he he it's called Soviet, mm-hmm. but from this point of view, it's it seems to be a Russian mobster story. So I assume it's going to tie back to that in some way. Or this guy's called the Soviet with the AK forty seven, but who knows why it's called? Who yeah. knows? Um, 
I mean, I liked it. It was a pun- it was a Punisher story. I don't always so I was, like them, but Garth Ennis writes them really well. I was putting the script together, and I thought, well, wait a minute. Why am I? Why is this not the pick? And I went, and I ended up reading the book a second time. Oh wow! And I realized that I didn't. I I, did, I had finished it, but it did not sink in at all. And I thought that's not a good sign. Well, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I liked I, it. It wasn't. I didn't. It didn't blow my. It thought, was. Though. It was very much fine. It was a very. It was like a very rational Punisher. Right. He was much more Batman like in this, actually. Yeah, kinda. They were like, "Well, it's a four vehicle convoy, which isn't a problem for you." Yeah, that's true. You know, like it was very. It was. It was. There was no like psychopath to him, and he was kind of working with the one cop. Like he was interesting enough. It was well done, but it not not a lot stood out. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it didn't, you know, I really love when he does those, like, Fury Max books or the Punisher, yes. or the one he did in Vietnam. You know, like, that, when he can really dig into the stuff he's truly interested in and use those mm-hmm. characters as a lens to for those issues, that's when my, that's when Garth Ennis lately has been at his best. And mm-hmm. I was hoping when I saw the title, this would be, like, Punisher in, like, you know, in, like, the 70s oh, yeah. or 80s in the Soviet Union. But that's not what it was. That's okay. Um, that would have been cool. But, uh you it's know, fine. It's I'm I'm gonna read it. Yeah, I I subscribed. And it looks really good. Jason Burroughs is terrific, and you know it's a good issue. Uh, this is the penultimate issue of History of the Marvel Universe. Uh, this is all from iFanboy Prime time. Well, what was interesting was so this is the uh, 2000s, right? So you got like yeah. uh, Advent Landing on the Guardians, and and Morrison on the X Men, and and uh, Jessica Jones and Alias. It was interesting how we went from if you follow all the storytelling of this book, which is basically you know Galactus telling uh, Franklin Richards the history of the Marvel Universe before they all both die, or Galactus dies and Franklin goes into the next world. Um, the storytelling was much more individualistic before, and what I mean by that is every character had their own sort of story that that was, was mm-hmm. being touched on. This was almost like. Event to event to event to event to I, event to event. That says a lot. Right. And that's what I noticed is how things changed post-2000. Things that weren't in the in the Marvel Knights sphere was, it was like, uh, you know, as soon as, as soon as New Avengers Breakout happens, it's like Civil War leads to, you know, Siege and Secret, secret Invasion and Siege. And like, it just goes from like event to event to event to event. And there's a couple here well, and there where they're, you know, there are a couple of things laced in here, but mostly well, it's, it's interesting. Mostly that. The, the, you know, in the past, you know, some book would do a story and then that story would stand out, mm-hmm. you know, like Galactus arrives on Earth in the Fantastic Four. Right. Three issue arc they did. It wasn't like part of a thing. Just in the comics, but it's, right. It's a story we're talking about 55 years later. Right. And and then the, the 2000s, second half of the 2000s primarily and up to now has really just been this like effort to try to manufacture that over and over again. And uh, it, it, when you're talking about it in the context, I don't think I even it, it registered with me, but that's what it was that I was feeling but not being able to define. It's just it, it was less – it was less – I mean also I knew the stories, but it was less interesting than the other stuff. Right. Like, that, you, it was more interesting noticing that than it was like remembering. Yes. Like I – you know, reading the old, the other issues, I'm like, oh, I'd love to read that story. That sounds fun. Right. But like, this is like, oh, right. You know, now it's Age of Ultron, and and you can you can you can see the Avengers the boys in the marketing, yeah. you can see the boys in the marketing room. You know, <laughs> salivating over the thing. 
was, um, it was interesting to see how things. I, I, I still love this. Is still a great series, and the and especially yep. the Javier Rodriguez art is so good. But like, it was just it was just interesting to see how we hit a certain point in the history of the Marvel Universe where it becomes chasing that Civil War dragon for yeah for almost twenty years now. No, or, Civil when, when was Civil War two thousand five. Yeah, that sounds right. Six. So fifteen years. Six. Yeah. So thirteen. So I was off by five years. Yeah, still, it's a long time, and it, it's hard to remember what it was like before that. But it's it's interesting now because you know we're, you know let's take the death of Captain Marvel or or you know the coming of Galactus or whatever. Those are storylines that happened, and they were memorable for whatever reason because they found they could build off of them later. But now those stories that happen because of the way that it's structured, those don't survive. They're these one-offs that you and I talk about mm-hmm. where we talk about that Marvel, like the Marvel 1850, whatever, you know what I mean? That Western Marvel story. Yeah. It's not going to be remembered. It's a moment we're going to have and we're going to read about it. It's going to be fun, but it's yeah. not going to be part of the larger conversation because it didn't take place in that event structure. And that is really sad. Yep. You, you, yeah. It's, you can use this book to see how comics change in terms of public. Yeah. Well, that's the history of the Marvel Universe, though. It's not. Un- it's not incorrect. Those are the books we're going to talk. Oh, got. got I'm sorry, you okay? I got, I got really emotional about Marvel. Uh, those are the books we're going to talk about. It was a weird week. It was a light week for me. Yeah, it was. It was. It had a, not not a lot of standout books. Uh, but we have the patron pick we mentioned before. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. That's where you can go. Every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. This week, the vote went to Far Sector Number One, a new issue from DC's Young Animal imprint. Uh, written by N.K. Jemison, with art by Jamal Campbell. N.K. Jemison, this is her first comic work. She is a YA novelist, of uh, award-winning YA novelist. Shocking. Of the fifth season series and other books. She's got she's won Hugo Awards, all kinds of awards. And Jamal Campbell, he did the art on Naomi recently with Bendis, which is terrific looking. I was re- so this is a story of a Green Lantern in a far-flung, in the, I guess the furthest away sector in the universe that the Green Lanterns are, are, are active, hence far sector. Uh, which I think is a terrible title. Um, and I was really confused reading this because at first I was like, what, what is going on here? Not, not mm-hmm. in terms of the story, but in terms of the overall conception of the, what's happening. And I was like, oh, wait, this must be Black Label. This must be out of continuity. Because I knew it was a different imprint. I just forgot which one mm-hmm. it was. But halfway through, I'm like, this has to be out of continuity. There's no it's reason, vertigo. There's no reason why there'd be a new Green Lantern that we've never heard of. Uh, a fucking seventh Earth Green Lantern doesn't make any sense in the context of, of the Green Lanterns. Um, so this must be out of continuity. That's fine. So I'm reading it, and I'm reading it, and then I'm like, wait a minute. And I went back to the cover. No, this is young ju- young animal. Young ju- animal is in continuity. What? And so, uh, it was fine. I don't know that I'm the audience for this book, though. Uh, I'm 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 certainly not. Um, it was a lot of world building, and it was too cute by half. That would be my, and, and, you know, there are some people who don't write comics professionally come in and there are often other problems. I don't think she had the big block of text problem, but I do think she had the too many ideas, too many ideas. And also at least, at least half the issue was like a meeting around a boardroom table on the first issue of, of a comic. And that's not, not yeah, a great, that's... not a great way to uh, really get me excited about what's happening when you, when most of the issue comic is people sitting around talking at a table. Um, Especially when I don't know these characters, don't know the world, don't know the stakes, don't know why I care. Um, you know what? What else is interesting is that 
I think this is actually definitely a, a sort of prose to comics mistake is that you have these characters you're right there around a meeting table. But um, Jamal Campbell, by the way, did, did great work. Yeah. 100% all yeah. new sort of characters, worlds, creatures, speed, whatever. Um, but you're right. Half of it's around a boardroom table. And then the other thing is that the characters are supposed to have no emotions. Right. So, th- I mean, talk about fucking an artist over. You may as well put a, a horse parade behind them. Right. Because – and then so then what happens is you tell me all these characters have no emotions and then they all start yelling at each other. <laughs> and then the, the narration was like, boy, if they had emotions, this would really be something. I was like, they're yelling at each other. <laughs> Those are emotions. And, I, and then, you know, that's not the artist's fault. You're like you're going to draw a bunch of people who we don't know sitting at a table who have no emotions – on their faces that's a you know my question is what do these editors do all day yeah i mean that was i had that, i had that question a I couple times this week i know I, I i didn't put my finger on it till you just said it but there was as i was reading it i was like there's a, a lot of ideas going around here i don't know who this character is i don't know why this person is a green lantern i don't know why she's here i don't know anything and I don't care about any of them because you've given me nothing to do so. And it was like, here's a world. It's a utopia. But there's this. And this they, uh, is too much. It was too much. It opens with a murder. There's never been a murder on this planet. She's investigating it. She's, she meets, that's such, she meets that's with the such high a pitch log line, though. Like, there's right. a murder, but there's never been a murder. Ooh. She meets with the council. It's the three different races of aliens who, who one time were at war, settled into peace, and... One of the races of aliens is all Twitter handles, and that was the moment I was like, oh, this is, "I'm not. I'm too old for this book." I, I just think it's a bad idea. I don't think that's a generational thing. That's stupid. Why would that be? It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm. It's getting worse as we keep talking about it. But like, just from a from an introduction concept, you've got this character we don't know, whose Greenlander power is different. She doesn't have a power battery. And so it says in the back, like, that's going to lead to other things. And I was like, why is it Green Lantern in it at all then? Is it just to make us buy it? It was weird. That's why I thought it was Black Label, because it was so strange and, out of, and seemingly out of continuity. But I don't know why there's now, you know, you're supposed to have a, one to two Green Lanterns per sector. And now this is, this is the seventh Earth Green Lantern that I, that I can count. Like a training Green Lantern, like they, they gave her this as like a trial or something like that. She's apparently some sort of secret Green Lantern. And we don't know why. That's what I read in the in, – because I went and looked it up afterwards. Like, what is going on here? It just didn't give me anything to put my to put my hold hold on to. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's mainly the thing. There I don't know. information dump in the middle when they had that meeting, and I was like, I'm barely holding on to the, to, to the mythology of this. Of this. And then um, she, she shows up to question the suspect in the murder, and that, that guy's dead. I mean, all, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's fine. These are all, like, good beats, but, like – it was it was a weird book. It was a weird what book. if they put Jamal Campbell back on another six issues of Naomi? That'd be so great. What happens with that? That would be great. So let's do our ratings on Far Sector. It's gone down since we started talking. <laughs> Interesting. Because I was like, at first I was I read it and I was like, it's fine. I don't really care. And now I I really understand why it didn't work for me, and that makes it worse. Out of five, two point five. 2.25. The art was good. The art was good. Colors was nice. He did all the... Yeah, he did all the... He did it all himself. Um, yeah, it was weird. Really weird book. Really weird book. Yeah, it, it's definitely that. I can't... 
and I can't tell the difference between the races, the species of aliens. Yeah. I don't know going. One of them has wings. Oh, there's also Teen Lantern, who's not really a Green Lantern, but it also is a Green Lantern. So that's that would be eight. Oh eight, God! Eight Earthbound lanterns. Teen Lantern, I forgot about that. At least she's hacking the battery, not really a lantern. But it doesn't matter. There's a lot of Green Lanterns from Earth. Well, twenty-eight fourteen is the is the hotbed, man. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go to vote at a book to the rundown. But also, if you give it the $5 or higher level, you get your very own superpower live on the show. I'll start off by bestowing the power on Jimmy, the mysteriously named Jimmy. Jimmy! <laughs> Jimmy! Now you, he's the power to fuck up his life, no matter what. No, that's, <laughs> that's a Jimmy. different Jimmy. Um Jimmy's power is that uh, his name... He gives a fuck when it's his turn to give a fuck. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I just finished rewatching the f- recent, uh, two days ago. Um, Jimmy's, Jimmy's always on the list. <laughs> I think if you look... No matter what, what list he's on. No matter what list he's on the list. Mm-hmm. To the party, to the club, to um, the sergeant's exam... Mm-hmm. Whatever. If there's a list, Jimmy's on it. A contextual list of his life, obviously. Uh, Gary Hunter um, transforms any room that he is – the furniture in any room he is he's in uh, to beanbag uh, chairs, couches, and it's all beanbag when he's around. Like involuntarily? Yeah. He walks in and just all the furniture switches to beanbag. <laughs> Jeez. Permanently. Permanently? Yeah, no, yeah. You, I mean, if you just bought a whole new set from the Pottery Barn, you don't want to invite Gary over. The other hand, super comfy. Wow. I don't, I don't think I could get out of a beanbag chair now. Well, it could be that high-end stuff they have in the mall that costs way too much. Even even in college, when everyone had the cliche beanbag, I still had to like roll, do like the roll out of it. Uh-huh. I know what you're talking about. Because you need something to put your hands on. Right. Otherwise, you just sink into a chair. Well, I mean, there are more advanced designs where you've got some of that, but it's still, in essence, beanbag. My conception of beanbag chairs is from... Is the from, vinyl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every one of them has a leak. You well, know, go, to, go, go to the mall and find yourself a Yogi Bo store, and then, and, which has no prices, because when you ask the price, it makes you go, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, this is just a beanbag chair. This is Gary's whole thing, though. Uh, so he any any kind of high end beanbag, or just it doesn't matter. It's the yeah, like it, it could be. It's I mean, it's the best version of the beanbag for what that object was, but it's getting changed. You're, you can say goodbye to that wood frame. Is it in the size of like so? If, if it's a smaller beanbag for where a chair was, and a larger one for where the couch was, or just all just beanbags? Yeah, yeah. Although I like your idea too. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and put. I'm gonna put one little restriction on it because otherwise he'd be fucking the whole world up. Yeah. If he goes into a place and, like, they're going to sit down. Uh-huh. Like, if he's walking through a lobby, it's not, you know. But if he's, like, take a seat over there in the lobby and he's like, you sure? Let me in? So he's like well, a vampire. List. It's like my friend Jimmy's here. <laughs> he's like a vampire. You have to invite him to sit and then the chair changes. <laughs> have a seat. Thank you very much. What <laughs> happens if he goes into a room full of beanbags? No change. Okay. <laughs> William Martin, he... You ever been to a restaurant like the, and someone's always like, "Fuck, I ordered the wrong, ordered the mm-hmm. wrong." And William Martin never has that problem because William Martin always orders correctly. 
Okay. No matter what you do, you go to a restaurant, there's a lot of choices or something. He's he's always got the best thing on the menu. Mm-hmm. There's never like he's never like fuck, I should have ordered the salmon. It's like, no, nah, this is the best me- this is the best thing on the menu. No matter What's where he goes. What's good here? Ask William. Exactly. Even if okay. he's never been there, he know, he he just he orders correctly every time. Mhm. Amy Foster? Mhm. Has those weird goat leg things? Like Gorgon? You know what I'm talking about? Those goat leg things? With, but but also combined with, with ankle wings. So she has like a she's like a minotaur, but with goat right, legs. Right, but but with ankle ankle wings. And ankle wings. Yeah, both of those things together. It's a lot of different stuff. Uh-huh. And she's not she can't change it. She just always has them. Yeah, no, that's her thing. She's got the. Isn't that all Gorgon has? He has the goat legs, but what he doesn't have is the ankle wings. So he and the fact fly. is, they haven't given enough other people ankle wings. So I want to combine some of those sort of weird animal powers, mm-hmm. and whatever happens after that, there must be some advantage to those. Like she's excellent at climbing craggy hillsides, right? And then if she falls, flippity flappity flap. Well, why does she need to climb the house? She can just fly up. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you want to get a different workout. It can't. Some days it's got to be leg days, Connor. That's true. You can't just go flapping your ankles around all over the place. If you do that, your goat legs will atrophy, and then you can't lift off. It's all a system. It's all. It's like a. It's like a, almost like a, like a everything's connected kind of thing. It's. 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 You think things are holistic for you right. when you're when you're sporting two different pointless animal powers. You really want to keep up on that. For example, fish oil pills are a must. I'm not sure why. I don't understand the science. Right. But Amy's got to get on that. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go at the $5 higher level and give get your own superpower live in the show. We're a little long on our new time conscious, but I think we have two quick emails we can do if you want to do them. You tell me. Let's, let's do them. Uh, Ken... From the Great White North, who I'm almost positive has written in many times before. Uh, This week's issue of Superman had my favorite panel of the week by artist Kevin McGuire. Aquaman cleaning water out of his ear with his pinky. (laughs) Although, although, this was was another time where I thought, what is the editor doing? Short hair. On Aquaman? Yeah. Does Aquaman have long hair now? Yes. He's Jason Momoa. Oh, right. And listen, I'm in favor of long hair beard Aquaman. I think he's a great look, but, but... Short hair. Right. Fair enough. I'm going to move on. McGuire also did uh, my favorite panel of all time, which is the one-punch panel in Justice League, which I'm sure we're both very familiar with, where where, uh, Batman punches Guy Gardner. Um, I can see it. We can all see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is your favorite panel of all time, and which artist consistently puts up the best single panels in comics? You know, when I said those two quick ones, I meant the second two. Yeah, I realized just as I was saying, I was like, oh, this is hard. I don't want you to tell me your favorite of all time unless you really have it. But, like, when we ask that question, I bet there's something that pops into your head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think in my head of the final panel, it's a, I mean, it's a panel with the full page of the last issue of Man of Steel of John Byrne drawing Superman flying away from the Kent farm. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I have a few examples. I have um, uh, Hal Jordan in his in his uh, '60s flight suit uh, hugging Carol Ferris, mm-hmm. and behind them is um, the jet engine going off, and he's basically, you know, like it's it's he's about to go off from New Frontier. 
Yeah, from New Frontier, Darwin Cook's New Frontier. Um, I the first thing I thought of was I don't know if this is more dialogue, but um, Jesse Custer's father before he's dead talking to him and saying there's you know there's there's way too many the you got to be a good guy because there's way too many of the bad. Well, that's more art. That's not really art. Yeah, but Steve Dillon like did the thing, like the way that you know the way that he he did it with the hug. I mean, it's all it's all part and parcel. Um, I think of the, the drip on the Watchmen button, mm-hmm. um, that whole page, but sort of ending with that. Um, Kurt Busiek, Avengers, uh, Thor, I say thee nay, or whatever that line is, you know, where he's mm-hmm. pointing at yeah. uh, Ultron. I mean. McGuire's great. He's he's terrific. Adam Hughes has done some great pan- single panels in the Justice League in his time with also on that same book. Um, I I just I can't I don't I mean I, I mean yeah I still it's a punchline like that last that last panel of the pancakes yeah. the Hellboy story. Uh, it's tough because comics is sequential. And so a lot of times one panel doesn't work without the ones that precede it sure. or oh, come after it. And also that with, you know, the, with, the, with the dialogue. I mean, the, the one punch yeah. panel isn't, there's no dialogue. It's just a, it's a yeah. great panel with a sound effect. But, you know. Can you think of a, like, a, like the, the silent issue of G.I. Joe? Like, can you think of like one image from that that sticks with you? Yeah, the, um, w- the reveal at the end and they're flying away that they both have the same tattoo. That's the first time that we see that. Um, uh-huh. Where... Uh, you know, Snake Eyes is he's he's take he's flying off with Scarlet, having rescued her, and you and you see where his glove got cut, and you see the tattoo, and and right. that was unraveling wristband thing. Is that in the same panel? No, but I can see the image of Snake Eyes flying away with the pan, you know, mm-hmm. holding Scarlet, so that he's you know, it's it's arms in the front, and you can see the mm-hmm. panel. The, and I can think of Storm Shadow. It's a, it's a long vertical panel where he's standing. It's a profile shot he's looking up holding yeah. a sword and it's unraveling i mean it, there's uh-huh. a few different panels from that issue but i you know what the other thing that popped into my head was and it's grim so i don't tend to but um the joker holding the crowbar mm. death in the family mm-hmm. like i think it's the first or the second one also from that is the joker addressing the un <laughs> yeah. uh in the in the in the arab headdress yeah yeah that will always that's a great that's jim aparo man that crazy jim aparo smile oh that's the best joker it's a good one. All right, there's some answers. Finally, Corey, who apparently doesn't listen regularly. <laughs> That's a little commentary Josh put in the script. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really enjoying the new Watchmen show and has me wondering about a few things. Number one, are you watching? What do you think so far? Number two, are any of the before Watchmen books any good? And three, is Doomsday Clock worth a read? Now, anybody listening right now who has been listening knows the answer to two and three for the most part let's, two is a little a longer ago let's do it backwards so doomsday clock worth the read well we've talked about almost every issue on the show yes um, i think it's even though it's a very weird book that's clearly no longer in yeah. step with dc is doing i think it's definitely worth a read if you're if you're yes. if you like watchmen two are any of the before watching books any good we, we covered them all extensively when they came out on this show and you can go back and listen to those episodes however we will say there are two i mean there's a lot of great creators wasn't there one that joe kubert inked I think, but none of them were memorable except for the two that Darwin right. was I mean, involved. They, they were all interesting at the very yeah. least. But the only two worth really worth reading are the two Darwin Cook did. Uh, the Before the Minutemen book he wrote and drew, and then the Silk Spectre book that he wrote that Amanda Connor drew. Those are both really oh. terrific. Yeah. Um, the other ones, like I, I don't even really remember, but I remember they were all at least interesting. Uh-huh. I don't even think that's true. <laughs> I think they were all interesting, at least for the creative teams involved. Like the, well, the Joe Kubert one, uh-huh. he, that he I think inked over his, over Andy. Remember how okay. good that stuff was? 
No. That's right. But that's I don't remember anything about it okay. other than most of them I didn't I didn't think were great. Um and are you watching the Watchmen show and what do you think so far? I'm not I don't think we're in a point where we're going to give like a full review, no, no, but no, no, no. I, uh, I am watching it. Um Connor is too. Yep. I, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, it's real good. It's it's pretty good. It took me about an episode and a half before I was like I don't know what this is. And then when it kind of clicked in, then it just kept getting better. Yeah. It's good. Um, it's really good. Yeah. We, uh, we we have talked about the Patreon Hangouts, if that's not an inducement to uh, come. At least that was Actually, Josh wasn't on that show. but I wasn't on that one, yeah. But, uh, but I hadn't watched it at that point. We'll, so. we'll probably talk about it, um, actually, on the next Hangout, now that okay. Josh has watched it. But um, if that's an inducement to become a patron, maybe, maybe not. Contact.fanboy.com is our email. If you want to get in the show like Corey, Peter, and Ken... Let's do some quick plugs and get out of here now that we're running late. So on the back of the feed, you can find some other shows we do. The Joker Review Show, The Talks Blow, Josh with Kyle Starks, The One Woman Bloodline Review Show that the Animated Brain Trust did. And coming soon, meaning between now and the end of the year would be, um, or actually just this month, I don't know, Booksplode. Oh, we're going to announce what the Booksplode is. Yeah, go ahead. Booksplode, Fantastic Four, colon, Behold Galactus. It's a Marvel Select book that came out recently. And it features three uh, stories featuring Galactus, one from uh, Lee and Kirby, one from Lee and Bishema, and one from John Byrne. So sort of yeah, three errors of Fantastic the, Four. The classic Galactus stories, uh, which uh, I, I haven't actually read. Well, I have now, but... So um, that'll be coming soon. Not sure when, but it'll be coming before the end of the month because it's it's, we owe it to you this month. So in the next two weeks, you'll be you'll getting that book explode. Fantastic Four, colon, behold... Galactus, the Marvel Select book. And now we want to tell you about the holiday schedule, which is the schedule of shows for the rest of the year between now and then. So if you're a patron, our next patron hangout is is tomorrow. Or today. Today. If you're listening to this show as it comes out. Or yesterday, if you listen to it on Monday and you missed it. Uh, that'll be November 17th. And our December hangout will be December 1st. And both those are the regular time. You can find information on that at patreon.com. And if you're, if you're a patron and you didn't you can't make it live. You can still watch it. Yeah, they're all archived on the Patreon page. Yeah. Uh, and then the book, the book explodes will be sometime in the next uh, two weeks, as I said. And so here's the schedule for the rest of the year. Okay, so this is episode 709. Next week is 710. That comes out on November 24th. Uh, episode 711 comes out on December 1st. Episode 712, December 8th. And that is our last regular show for the year that we take the rest of the month off. We will return episode 713 on... January 12th, this year, the schedule is weird, and Christmas and New Year's take place in the middle of the week, and it fucks everything up. I think one week, there's hardly any comics out at all, even. But So we'll be, from from uh, the 8th to the 12th, we'll be off with regular shows, but we will be filling in, in the meantime, our much-heralded all-media spectacular will be coming out on t- uh, December 15th, and then we'll have a review of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker? Is that what it's called? I believe so. When you're in a blackout, <laughs> I don't know the details. Uh, that will be coming out soon after the movie um, will. So hopefully, maybe the 21st or the 22nd. We'll uh, hopefully, as soon as we see it, we'll record it and get that out. So that has, that, that doesn't have a hard release date. But the all media show on December 15th. Then we'll be returning to regular programming on January 12th, 2020. You'll have plenty to do. Yeah. is what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. We're going to front load. You're going to be all really right. only two weeks where there's no show at all coming up, but that's fine. 
You can catch up on the ones that you'd missed, though. We get to this have vacations, too. Head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of those podcasts. You can find the, the all the other Talksplodes and Booksplodes that we did. Um, they should be relatively evergreen, but it's also it's interesting if they aren't. Like, wow, they didn't know what they were talking about then at all. That might or be now. fun for you. That's I, I admit that freely. I think that's that's the thing. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking Facebook.com slash iFanboy and following at iFanboy on Twitter. You can follow at iFanboy Comics on Instagram for the best of the week and panels for also that information with the pick of the week, when they come out, what they are, uh, and and other stuff we find that we want to put up there. So you can follow us individually, CS Kilpatrick on Instagram and JA Flanagan on Instagram. And uh, if you like this show, the best thing you can do for it, besides becoming a direct patron, um, if you uh, write a review or leave a star rating over at Apple Podcasts um, or, you know, the word of mouth thing. We've talked about it a lot. Um, if, if, you know, you, you tell someone or, 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 or post it on social media or something that you dig the show, um, we always appreciate that when you do that. Uh, and that is a show. That's a show. That's a show that happened. It's a, Listen, how was the show? It was a show. It had, <laughs> had all the elements. You can't say it wasn't a show. No one can say that you can you it's what you just listened to was a show was it a good show not the question i asked that's that's for history to decide <laughs> we can't say that no i mean we could so not, not the eisers decided <laughs> oh you know before we go we got we have to mention uh, tom spurgeon who um yeah. who who passed away this week tom was a pioneering comics blogger reviewer the comics journal the comics reporter three-time eisner winner um, and when we never won, we never got uh, nominated or put up for it. Like when Tom won, we'd be like, no, that's fine. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. <laughs> it's never. So, good uh, uh, unfortunate, died way too early, died at age of 50. Um, big, a big presence in the comics media world. We met him a couple of times, didn't really know him that well, but um, always seemed like a good guy when we did meet him. And uh, it was a bummer. So, our hearts go out to his family and friends and the comics community who knew him. Um, Stay healthy out there, people. I mean, yeah this this comics world uh, really does tend to lend itself to uh, to not the healthiest lifestyle. I'm not even saying that's what happened with Tom, but no. we've seen it with a lot of people. So you know, this is your thing. Take care of yourself, man, or woman, or goat legged person. Yeah, just just do that because I, I I we hate these things. So until next time, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Thanks very much. 